If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holland. Turn over to the book of Acts chapter 16. We are beginning uh, tonight in the book of Philippians. Hallelujah. Been looking forward to getting into this, this powerful four-chapter book that is just, I, you know, the church that was in Philippi, this is, this is the apple of Paul's eye, this church is. He's so endearing to this church, and we're going to see why in just a moment, but it's that we need to go to um, Acts chapter 16, because this gives us some history about how this church began, all right? Um, I'm going to have the guys uh, bring up, if you have that map, bring that up on, on the screen for a moment, and I'm going to do my best to point to some areas here, but I need... Where is Matt Viscaino? Can I borrow you for a moment? I just thought if you're in that suit, then people need to see you, man. All right. Um, take this microphone. And I need, can you bring up a Bible there? New King James Version of Acts chapter 16, please. I'm going to have you read as I do a little bit of pointing. All right. Nobody has a laser pointer here by chance, do they? You have a laser pointer? You're kidding me. Oh, yeah. Great. Let me have that thing. We're going we're gonna to start in, let's just start in verse 1. All right? We got some, thank you. Which one is it now? Help me here. This right here, where it says laser. Oh, I'm going to have fun with this. All right. Go ahead and start reading in 1. Then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of... Was a disciple there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go with, to go on with him. And he took him and he circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that the father was Greek. As they w- and as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in, num- in number daily. Okay, hang on one second. In chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas and these guys had come and they had come and reported about all the wonderful things that had happened. And this Jerusalem council took place in in Acts chapter 15, where they decided that the Gentiles did not have to be circumcised for their righteousness' sake. That was for the Jews. And so they gave a few uh, rules. Uh, don't eat strangled meat. Uh, don't eat uh, food offered to idols. And uh, stay out of sexual immorality. But w- really, all those things had to do with pagan worship. All right? And so what they did was they gave them these letters. And so they, they began to go to get these letters to the churches. Okay? So uh, he's just got Timothy uh, circumcised and then began their journey. Uh, what verse are you on now? Six. 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 All right, continue. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia. Okay, here they are. Here's the region of Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. Um, uh, Phrygia, they come to here. All right, continue. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Right. So then... After Phrygia, then they came over to Asia, and they were forbidden to go there. So then they ended up... After they had come to Mysia, then they tried to go uh-huh. into Bithynia. Bithynia. Yeah, uh-huh. Bithynia. 
So you see what they're doing here. They're trying to stay here. All right? You get to Phrygia. Nope, nope. And they go through Mysia, or Mysia to Bith, uh, Bithynia, and the Holy Spirit says no. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. Troas. And, as, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, Just saying, here. Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Okay, let's stop right there for a moment. Isn't that wonderful? That's one of my favorite, favorite scriptures on leadership and the people, a vision and the people owning the vision. Paul had the vision, and Luke said, we concluded that the Lord had called us. Paul had the vision, and they all said, I own this vision. Right? Amen. So they all decided they were going to go then. Paul's there in Troas, a man from Macedonia in a vision. So then they all decide to go. All right, continue. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran straight. We ran a straight course to Symmethrace. Uh huh. Which is and the next here. day came to Neapolis. Neapolis. Uh huh. And from there to Philippi, which is the far the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a okay. colony. Yeah, that's right. So they came right here to Philippi. This is this is where they they landed. I, I wanted you just to kind of get. A, uh, a geographical view of how this went and see how the Holy Spirit was directing them. I mean, Paul really was compelled just personally to stay over in Asia, but the Lord would not allow him to tell him, send him over to Europe. And thank God for that because the gospel got to us as a result of that, okay? That he went west. Now, up here, and this thing is too fun to quit playing with. All right, this is, like I said, this is modern-day Turkey. Of course, Jerusalem's over, Iraq's over here. Down here you have Egypt. Um, up here you're going to have, like, Bulgaria, and then, of course, Greece, which kind of runs all along this area right here, all right? So this is where they end up in Philippi, which is the foremost region there in, in Macedonia, foremost city. Now, Philippi is an interesting city. It, was, it had a previous name, but uh, Philip... Uh, let me just let me just give you a little bit of history on. It. Is it okay if we go a little do a little history? Is this this will help you? I think. All right. Hold that thought, uh, Matt. They. Uh, let's see. Well, I don't have it. Never mind. I thought I had it there, but I don't. Okay, we'll talk about that later. All right. So. Now, this church, so they know that this is where, now the Holy Spirit gets them here by that vision, right? Now, let's continue there in Acts, I mean, uh, yeah, Acts 16. Let's see what happens. It's great. Uh, so verse 13, and on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the woman who met there. Okay, stop for there, right, right there for a moment. Notice it says that we went out of the city, and we went down by the river where prayer was customary. So there's no synagogue here. That, that tells us there's very few Jews in this area, all right? No synagogue there. So the people had a, had a custom to go out by the river and to pray. And, he, and Paul met these women. All right, continue. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyath Thyatira mm -hmm. who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her, her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. 
All so right. she persuaded us. So she persuaded us. So now they've met this prominent businesswoman in the community. She's a seller of purple, which was a very rare material to have at that time. So she was, a, she was probably wealthy. And so she's selling this purple. So the first person he comes across is a saleswoman. All right? And she invites them into her house. Once he preached the gospel to her, her and all of her house were saved. They got baptized. And she said, now let me take care of you. All right? So now Paul has the resources to be able to begin his ministry. Isn't that great? The first person. Now, I, want, I think it's interesting that he saw a man from Macedonia. He shows up there, and, and all he is audience with at this moment is women. Okay? And he has Lydia, the seller of purple, um, that is a key role to his ministry. The first, the first key role to his ministry. Now, so we have a saleswoman. All right? The first convert. In, in Philippi. Now let's go to the next. Uh, keep continue to read, Matt. This is good. Verse sixteen. Now it happened as, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed the spirit of divination. Divination. Divination mm-hmm. met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, "These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation." And this she did for many days. All right. So this girl who is a soothsayer. So he has a salesman, and now he's dealing with a soothsayer. All right? And she has the spirit of divination, and so these guys get profit from her from fortune-telling, which she basically is, is controlled by demons. All right? But when these guys get here, obviously the demons recognize the power that's in the place, right? So they just want to kind of keep the peace. They want to keep everything cool, so they're like, no, these guys are good. These guys, so this girl's just... These men are men of God. Men of, they're, they're here to show us the way of salvation. Doesn't sound all that bad, right? But she did it for many days. And I love the next part of this verse 18. <laughs> Read that. Verse 18 is, and she did this for many days. But when her master saw that their hopes of profit was gone. Uh, no, the second part of 18. There's, and Paul? This Bible is wrong then. Oh, it's not there. Okay, I'll continue. But Paul... <laughs> But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone because the demon was gone, the one that was getting them the money, they seized Paul's house and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities, and they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. All right? So they took these guys' prophet. This girl gets completely delivered from the devil. Hallelujah. So now he's got a, he has a, a saleswoman convert, and he has a soothsayer convert. All right? And, and these, and I just kind of think that maybe Paul's thinking, and I, I, when you're following God, and he begins to show you things, you have an idea in your mind of how it's going to look, and then none of this seems to be matching the vision so far. Right? And now they're drug off to these magistrates and they're accused that they're causing all this trouble in town. All right? Now, don't forget, this was a vision that was prompted by the Holy Spirit. Right? You would think, if the Holy Spirit showed me, there's not going to be any trouble in this deal. (laughs) Verse 21, And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Verse 22, then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many straps on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Surely Paul was thinking, Phrygia, Bithynia, any place would have been better than this. 
And now Silas, who is with them, is receiving the same punishment. Threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So now we have a saleswoman, we have a soothsayer, and now we have a security guard. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosed. Hallelujah. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself, saying, uh, But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. All right? The guy knew that... If, all, if the prisoners escaped under his watch, he was going to die anyway, so he thought, I'll just take my own life. All right, but Paul, seeing that that was about to happen, said, don't do yourself any harm. Nobody's escaped. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house, and he took them the set the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into the house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. So the church begins. This is great. With a salesperson, saleswoman, a soothsayer, and a security guard. What a variety of folk, right? That's, I love this. This is the, that's the beauty of the church. I mean, there's, there's, there's some, there's socioeconomic differences. There's definitely cultural differences here, right? But God has brought them all together to start this church that Paul has fallen head over heels in love with. Now let's go to Philippians chapter one. This is where it all started. This is how it all started. And it was miracle after miracle after miracle. Paul is the author of, of Philippians, and it was written somewhere around 61 A.D., right along the time of the prison epistles, um, 61 to 63 is what they believe it was written, and probably during his arrest in Rome uh, that you can read about in Acts chapter 28. Um, it's a great book. The book of Philippians, um, I guess if you could sum it all up, you could probably do that in, Rome, in uh, Philippians 4. Four that says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll tell you, rejoice. The word joy or rejoice is 16 times throughout this chapter, of this book, I mean. Throughout this book, 16 times we see it. It's the theme of Philippians joy or rejoice. It's beautiful. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. If I have time, I'm going to cover three keys to your spiritual growth. I said three. Maybe that was the Holy Spirit telling me. Six actually is what I'd like to do. <laughs> Six keys to your spiritual growth, all right? And we're actually going to spell out growth, all right, and give you a little acronym tonight. Grace. G, grace, R, relevance, O, optimism, 
W, worth. G, grace. R, relevance. O, optimism. W, worth. T, truth. And H, harvest. Grace, relevance, optimism, worth, truth, and harvest. It's the theme of Paul's letters to begin by declaring grace be multiplied, grace and peace be multiplied. And here he starts it just like every other encouraging letter to the churches, grace. This is the foundation of our lives. This is where everything starts for us as believers. It's, it's receiving this amazing grace, this unmerited, undeserved, unearned gift from God. Hallelujah. It's that grace that abounds to us. Where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. And it is into this grace we stand. How? By faith. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Praise God. So your growth in God starts by receiving His grace, all right? It starts by doing it His way, by receiving His grace, which is His power for you to live an overcoming life. Now, Paul told, I mean, God told Paul, if you remember, Paul said, I had this thorn in the flesh, right, a messenger of Satan sent to buffet me, and he said, and I prayed three times that this would be removed from me, and God said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God says, my grace is my strength. All right? My grace is my strength for you. It's my strength for you and your weakness. Hallelujah. Thank God. So then Paul said, well, I'd rather boast in my weaknesses then so that his strength will be made perfect, so that his grace may abound to me. Hallelujah. Because where in that location, where sin abounded, grace much more about where there is weakness, that's where the grace is. All right? Where it is. Glory to God. So we understand that we have this grace in which we, it's, a, it's, a, it's this sphere, this place where we stand and it is the strength for our journey. It's the strength for our life. And walking by faith is how we stay in that grace. It's the access into it all the time. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, verse 3. Always in every prayer of mine making requests for you with all joy. Isn't this wonderful? For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. He says, I remember you. And I always pray for you and make requests for you with all joy for your fellowship or your participation or your contribution in the gospel from the first day until now. See, the Philippian church is the one who continued to finance Paul's ministry even after he left. Even after he was in prison, a guy by the name of Epaphroditus, isn't that a great name? Epaphroditus came over to Paul and ministered to him and even brought a gift to him there from this church and stayed with him for a certain period of time and then fell terribly sick. And we'll talk, we'll look at this here a little bit later on in Philippians. And, uh, but God healed him. And then he was able to come back and, and report to them everything about Paul. Uh, but this right here, your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. This speaks of relevance. I want to give you the definition of relevant. I love the definition. Appropriate to the purpose. Appropriate to the purpose. That's beautiful. 
Now, and your fellowship in the gospel will always keep you relevant in life. Your part in the gospel will keep you relevant all the time. All right? Now, the methods and those things change, but the gospel is this timeless, timeless message for all men, for all generations. Hallelujah. So you'll always be relevant to those around you, always be by being a part of this gospel getting out. I need a really good amen. When I first came, we, when Heather and I first moved here in January, January will be 10 years ago, we came to Cornerstone Worship Center, and um, I had a, one of my jobs was to copy tapes of the sermons, originally for, for uh, uh, Tom Ogden and then, for, and then for my dad. And, and we had this little tape machine. Y'all might remember the tape room there in the old post office. By the way, the post office is no longer there. Isn't that something? Um, but, and I had this, this master tape, and I, had, and I could make, um, was it three copies? Yeah, it was three copies of that at a time. And so we'd give those, those tapes away. Well, after a while, I mean, this was in 2003, and I'm thinking, why are we still making cassette tapes in 2003, right? And because uh, I'm like, nobody, well, at least my age is really used. I still was using cassette tapes because my car took cassette tapes at the time. I had a cassette player in it. Um, but I can remember thinking, we're behind here. We're behind the ball. And, uh, and, and so then we, then we began to try to integrate into CDs, right? Which already that was becoming behind too because we're moving more into the MP3 age and, and the, the, uh, you know, through the computer. So it was like, uh, so then we started this CD ministry. Y'all remember this? Right, and but all of those things were were relevant and good for a moment, but you know, come and go. But something happened for us. I mean, our potential was really pretty much to whoever in the church wanted a cassette or even a CD. That was about as far as it went. That, people might have purchased one or took one over to a friend that they thought maybe they should hear it, but that's about as far as it went. So we could reach up to three hundred plus people. But then, um, then Derek started talking about these that we could load up uh, on iTunes and uh, with these podcasts. We could do a podcast with our messages, which was awesome. We started that, when was that? 08, Derek, where are you? Oh, he's in the back. There you are. Was it 08, somewhere around there, 2008? And then before long, I mean, in just a matter of time, we were having something like up to 3,000 downloads a month of our messages. And I was like, wow, I mean, what a, what, what a potential thing this has become and what a relevant this thing this has obviously become. Our reach has gone out. See, here's the thing. Styles are going to come and go, whether that's clothes or whether that's music or, I mean, that stuff changes, right? Yeah. Um, and technology changes, no doubt. Yeah. As soon as you get the newest thing, then you get an advertisement that yours is already out of date. But the gospel of Christ stands forever. Psalm chapter 33, verse 11 says that the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. See, you, you, your share in the gospel keeps you in a perpetual state of relevance. That is always appropriate for the purpose. Hallelujah. And to this day, your service, your contribution, your sharing of the gospel is very appropriate for the service. Yeah. Or 
appropriate for the purpose, I should say. Let's go to verse 6. You quoted this tonight, Brandon. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good, who, who began that good work in you? He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. See, this is why we have to understand that God's works have nothing to do with our works. Our works have nothing to do with God's works. His work is His grace. And he says, he who began this grace or this good work in you, He will complete it. Your good works won't complete your salvation. His work will complete the salvation process. That is that spirit, soul, and body as we've talked about, that you were saved. Hallelujah, you were justified by faith. And now you are being saved, soul, your sanctification. And now then someday, praise God, you get that new body. Glorification. Amen. All of you get saved. This speaks of optimism. And it's important that we all, if we're going to continue to grow in the things of God, that we must have a confidence and optimism about. And you have to aim it at the right thing, though. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he who began. Your confidence, your positive outlook has got to be about him and his power to work in you. Amen? I mean, if you're placing your confidence in your pastor to grow this church... And to meet your needs or to be caring all the time, I'm sorry, you're going to be disappointed, maybe even resentful. Because I'm, I mean, it's not that I'm neglecting my responsibilities. I just, I'm just not that capable. Man, y'all don't get quiet. Y'all are supposed to amen me right there, all right? If I, well, the same goes with you. If I place my confidence in you, that, that you'll always be here when you're scheduled to be here for whatever service, or that you'll always be here for every service when the doors are open? Or that you'll be faithful in your giving? I'm going to be disappointed. Amen. Hallelujah. I would be so discouraged. I mean, I'm not, I'm not being a pessimist. I just I feel like I have a, an accurate assessment on how humanity works. If we place confidence in ourselves, we, we eventually will absolutely be disappointed. Or we'll just manipulate others to achieve our goals. Right? But our optimism comes from our confidence in Him. Hallelujah. Because you'll, you, 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 if, you've just, if you've been married for 10 minutes, you, you understand that you cannot put your confidence in people. Right? It's got to be in the living God. Amen. Amen. And I'm saying that from Heather's perspective, not mine. <laughs> Look at verse 7. Just as it is right for me, just as it is right for me to think this of you. I love that. It's right for me to think that he who began that good work in you is going to be faithful to complete it. It's right for me to think that of you. I believe in the power of God to do it. I believe that you have the same Holy Spirit that I do. He speaks to you just like he speaks to me. That's why I don't have to stand up here and hammer you with the law or give you the rules. Hallelujah. I just let, hey, listen to the Spirit. The Spirit will guide you into all truth. The anointing that you have will teach you all things. He has already given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Amen. 
Just as it is right for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my chains. Think about this. Paul looks at those chains and he gets kind of, he, I could just see a smile come on his face. Because when he sees those chains, he sees those Philippians. And he knows that the chains that he's wearing are there because he preached the gospel to them. And it's kind of a reward for him. You're in my heart, you're in my chains, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Every time he stood up to defend this gospel, he thought about all those he had preached it to. And it gave him the strength to do it again. He saw the, the soothsayer get saved. He saw the security guard come running at his feet and say, what, what do I got to do to get saved? He knows what the gospel will do for people. Hallelujah. And you and I have to continue to be convinced of what this gospel will do for people so that we'll never be ashamed, we'll never be afraid to open our mouths and share it. You have the greatest answer in you. It's in your mouth. It is the message that saves men's lives. Hallelujah. He says, you are all partakers with me of grace. What Paul is saying is all of us are doing this together. I'm not the only guy that's doing this. We're all partakers together. This speaks of your worth, doesn't it? See, if you'll see yourself as just as important as everybody else in the kingdom of God, you need to understand how worthy you are. Jesus made you worthy. Hallelujah. Don't forget when Paul was preaching to the Jews, and I, and I believe it was Acts 14. Don't quote me on that, but it, it, it was in the book of Acts. 1 through 28, somewhere in there. And he's preaching to the Jews, and, and, and they're continually bashing him and, and trying to kill him. And he says, you know what? Since you deem yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we go to the Gentiles. They deem themselves unworthy of eternal life. You know how? Because they just did not believe that it was as simple as believing no, you got to be circumcised. No, you got to do this. No, you got to keep the commandments. No, you got to do this. And Paul said that. What that tells me is you deem yourself unworthy. You deem yourself unworthy of the sacrifice of the Son of the living God. God thought you were worth the death of his Son. That's what made you worthy. Hallelujah. And in knowing that, Look at this. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ. They meant everything to him. I'm going to just tell you this time. You're the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing here. You're it. You're the reason. I mean, there are times when, when, when I get weary doing what I do. But it really doesn't last long because when I start thinking about you people, my church family, I can't stay in that state. I remember why I'm doing this. And my, my great family, we need each other in those moments. We need to remember at that time, hey, I'm part of something really grand. I'm part of a family whose DNA is God. Hallelujah. God is in us. God is in his house. God is in his church. We are the body of Christ. Amen. The truth is I depend on you. I depend on you. 
Is it okay if I talk to you like this? I do. I depend on you. I depend on you to be here regularly. I'm talking to the Wednesday night crowd. I talk to you. I, I, I depend on you to be faithful in your giving. I depend on you to be faithful in serving and to find your part and to do it with all your heart. Find your part. Do it with all your heart. Amen. I depend on your, your prayers. I don't know how many times I have heard from you from time to time. Pastor, I was praying for you. I'm like, oh boy, did I ever need that? Thank you. And I'm praying for you too, all the time. And I depend on you living your life for Christ out there in that world. Because we're all one cause church. And I depend on you to get the word out about this great church. Hallelujah. Worth, grace, relevance, optimism, worth. Let's continue. Verse 9, and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment. That your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. There are more things that we can learn about the love of God. That you may approve the things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. This is about truth. This is about being real. This is about being about the real things. That you do your best to learn everything you can about the love of God so that you can love in a true way. You can truly love others. So you excel in the knowledge of God. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 teaches us that love bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Love never fails. Love doesn't seek its own, it's not puffed up, it's not easily provoked, it doesn't think any evil. How many of you know we got some learning to do? Hmm? We got some learning to do. And that's what keeps us in the truth. That you may be sincere. That you may be sincere. Hallelujah. Sincerely interested in other people. Sincerely interested in other people's needs. Amen. Sincere in your conversation. And without offense till the day of Christ. Offense is something that we have to continually guard ourselves against. But here's the thing. It's not like you, you have to just kind of hold and go, I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to be offended. Listen, if you just get full of the joy of the Lord, if you just get full of the love of God, offenses won't even. Pfft. Matter of fact, I think the word says, great peace have those who love your law and nothing shall offend them. It's really about your love for the word, I guess, then, isn't it? You love the Bible, you won't be offended. Hallelujah. Stay in truth. Jesus said, it's impossible that offenses won't come. They're coming to you. Just don't let them come through you. Every day. Every day. You can have opportunity to be offended about something. Amen. Just don't do it. Love the word. Love the word more than you love your own emotions. Amen. It is a choice, Pastor. That's exactly right. I can't help it. They hurt me. Yeah, well, yeah, you can. 
I'm not saying the hurt's not real. Amen. But you serve a God who's a healer of the hurts. Living in truth. That you have an excellent standard about you. I love that. That you may approve the things that are excellent. Approve things that are excellent. That is, you never settle for anything less than the best. That is what God has for you. That you're real and that you're (laughs) thick-skinned. Amen. Don't forget this. Anything outside the bounds of God's word and God's love isn't truth. Amen. Verse 11, being filled with the first fruits, or with the fruits of righteousness. I love that. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is all about harvest here. The fruits of righteousness. That is, there was a seed planted in you called the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word is a seed. The sower sows the word, right? When that word came in, hallelujah, and you put your faith in that word, you became born again all over again. You you became born again. That's it. (laughs) You became born again. You became a new creation in Christ. Everything changed for you when you put your faith in because you became righteousness. But then Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, that is in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Righteousness is revealed from faith for salvation to faith to walk by. All right? Faith is how. That's it. Faith is how you have a continual revelation of righteousness. Well, that's true because whatever's not of faith is sin. So whatever is of faith is, of, is righteous. Amen. Righteousness which are by Christ Jesus, the glory of God. I love that. The fruits of righteousness. That is, you live in this harvest of righteousness. And that cannot be... Uh, um, Live that cannot be a reality in your life apart from faith. Fruiting righteousness. Not just, it's cultivating that seed that was planted in you the day you were born again. Starts with believing and it continues with believing. Amen. Hope this helps you tonight. Keys to growth are, first of all, you got to receive the grace and understand your relevance in the kingdom of God. Your relevance is directly connected to your fellowship in the gospel. Optimism, that you, your, your greatest, uh, your greatest, what's the word I want to look for? I don't know. Your confidence in God is your greatest form of optimism. How about that? Worth, understanding that we all are part of the body of Christ. We all have a part to play. We're all partakers of this grace. Truth, that you live your life by this word. Hallelujah. His word is truth. 
His love is true. It's true love. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And that you harvest righteousness in your life. Yeah. Not, not by works. Yeah. By faith. Yeah. By faith. Amen. Father, I want to say thank you for this time and your presence. Thank you, Lord, for the beginning of tonight's series, Lord. And I thank you, we thank you, Lord, for your word, your prosperous, living, powerful word. And God, I thank you for what it does for our lives as believers, as your children, that we feed on it, God. It is, it is health to us who find it, and it's, it's, it's life to us who find it, and it's health to all of our flesh. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word ministering to your people tonight at whatever level it needs to, spirit, soul, body. I thank you that it's relevant for every dimension of man. And Lord, we take this word tonight. Lord, I pray that your people would grow in this grace, would grow in the things of God. Lord, they would understand and, and, and receive your grace in a greater way, God. That they would understand that their relevance in life, their significance in life, they're appropriate to the purpose by their connection to the gospel. That they'd be people who are optimistic, hallelujah, believing for the best because God, their confidence is in God. They understand that they're powerful worth, God, in this world as parts, individual members of the great body of Christ, and that they'll live in truth and they'll declare the truth, hallelujah, and God, that they will see the harvest of righteousness in their life, God, and others will see those fruits as they walk by faith. Lord, I thank you for blessing your people as they go from here tonight. Strengthen them in their faith. Strengthen them, God. Strengthen them in their minds. I declare sound mind. No fear here in Jesus' name. Restlessness. Disturbances. Be washed away by the peace of God. In Jesus' name, distractions, distractions moved away. Clarity, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for clarity tonight. Thank you for wisdom. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.